In the name of Jesus, the Lamb of God, amen. You may be seated. From the time I was a little kid, I always loved Palm Sunday because Palm Sunday was always an upper after five long weeks of dreary Lenten hymns. Sermons about sacrifice and pain and suffering and midweek worship services that if you grew up in the Laurel Mountains of Western Pennsylvania were dark and cold more often than not. Not to mention that our sanctuary, beautiful as it was, was dismal at night with pure lighting and no stained glass colors coming through the windows. And then Palm Sunday came and it was like somebody flipped a switch and all of a sudden the mood was dramatically changed as we gathered in church to celebrate the beginning of Holy Week and Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem to the shouts and cheers of that palm-waving crowd who said Hosanna to the son of David. Palm Sunday was definitely an upper. And on that day, you know, it just felt like the hymns had a little bit more energy and they moved along a little more, more quickly and uh, the chancel was decorated with palm trees and there was an uptick in the number of worshipers in the pews. And not only that, but on Palm Sunday, you got a free gift <laughs> in the form of your very own palm branch with which after the service we would chase each other around the church and use it like a spear. Who did that? Yes, you did. And then after that, of course, you took it home and you folded it in half and you wedged it behind the cross in your bedroom wall to remember what happened that day and why. And while that was all good, I have to confess to you again today that for so long, I honestly didn't really get what Palm Sunday was really all about, which I suppose puts me in the good company of the disciples of Jesus, who were actually there, and even they didn't get it. According to John's parade report in verse 16, where he says, the disciples did not understand these things at first. And so whenever I get to preach on Palm Sunday, as I do this year, I like to peel back the layers and look at what's under the surface at what this day is really all about what happened and why. For instance, I don't know about you, uh, but I knew the word Hosanna a long, long time before I ever knew what Hosanna meant. And I always thought it was some sort of a cheer, like hooray, given the way that we always used it and didn't realize that it's actually a Hebrew word that means save us which makes it this uh, anxious and even a, a desperate prayer and not just some ancient way of saying, you know, go Jesus. I knew that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because that's what they taught us in Sunday school and we colored pictures to that effect. But I didn't realize that 500 years earlier, a prophet by the name of Zechariah said that when the Messianic king arrived, he would be on a donkey's colt rather than being led in a chariot by a stallion or a war horse because that was a sign that the one who was coming was coming in peace if they were on a donkey. And I had no clue that the words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, 
was not original to Palm Sunday by any means, but is actually a quotation of Psalm 118 in the Old Testament, that it was part of the Jewish liturgy and it was used by the Levitical priests in the temple as an act of adoration to God himself. Or that the waving of palms was not some sort of a, you know, spontaneous or impromptu thing that the crowd outside Jerusalem did that way, but that for centuries it was done to hail the arrival of a king. And nor did I know that another prophet by the name of Ezekiel said that when Messiah came, he would come from the east like the rising of the sun to shine the brightness of a, of a new day and a new era on the people of God. And that when Jesus arrived on that day, the first day of the week in the city of Jerusalem, he came from the villages of Bethany and then the village of Bethpage from the east of the city of Jerusalem. And it did not remotely cross my mind until years later that as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem from the east, that another very prominent figure was also making his way to Jerusalem from the west. And his name was Pontius Pilate. And there was a collision course. As Pilate, whose headquarters was actually on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, would travel to Jerusalem for the week of Passover to keep order in the city as thousands upon thousands of faithful people journeyed to Jerusalem for the feast and in order to make their sacrifices of lambs and other animals at the temple in Jerusalem. And it was there that Jesus upset the order of the day when he went to that temple and he began to wage his war against the forces of religious legalism by upsetting the tables of the vendors who were selling animals for the sacrifice and making change for the required temple tax as his way of upending the sacrificial system of payment for sin. And then after which, two days later, he sits down for what was known as the Passover Seder at sundown on Thursday, in which he also upsets the proceedings by giving them a new Passover meal, and one that would hold his followers together all over this world for more than 2,000 years, and would feed our souls with forgiveness through his sacrifice alone. Little did they know that they were on a collision course that would involve betrayal and denial and arrest and torture. And that before that week was over, the cries of Hosanna would evaporate and a very different group of people with a very different agenda and purpose would unite their voices in the words, crucify him to Pontius Pilate. And so again, I have to confess to you that uh, quite frankly, Palm Sunday isn't quite as much fun as it was when we're just running around the church spearing each other with our palm branches. But on the other hand, now that I've peeled back the layers, now that I got to connect the dots as the disciples themselves did eventually according to John, I actually have to tell you that Palm Sunday means more to me than ever. Because this is the story of prophecy fulfilled. This is the story of God who keeps his promises 
to bring us a new covenant called grace. This is the story of the promised Messiah, the one who comes into the city of Jerusalem to fight for your life, to set you free from the power of sin and death in your life from which you could never in a million years escape, no matter how far you may travel, no matter uh, what you pay, what sacrifices you might make in your life. This is the story of the humble king whose kingdom is not of this world, but it's inside of us. It's in our hearts, in our souls, which is precisely what makes it so powerful, so enduring at the end of the day. I have on two occasions in my life stood on the Mount of Olives east of the city of Jerusalem near the town of Bethpage looking down into the Kidron Valley and across it to the city of Jerusalem. And on both of those occasions, just as I do today with the help of John chapter 12 and the palm images all around us, I thought about that journey that Jesus made on that Palm Sunday, what it meant and why. And as I thought about that, what I see is the Christ who came through for us that day and who is still coming through for us today to win our forgiveness, to give you peace, to give you hope, and to give you joy in him, come what may in your life. And I think about the difference that his journey into that holy city and all that followed made for people down through the corridors of time in the midst of their own journeys through the wilderness of temptation and sin, of uncertainty about the future, of dissatisfaction with our lives, of grief and loss and shame in our hearts. I think about people I know here in this congregation who have experienced the power of this day, and as a result, you know, they've made life decisions, they've made career choices based on their faith in Christ, and not on the basis of the money or the convenience or, or even the logic of it, quite frankly. I think of a friend of mine who I talked to three days ago who last week got a diagnosis of stage four metastatic cancer and whose faith in Christ remains crystal clear. I think of that video in my head from two weeks ago of a group of Christians in Ukraine who gathered together in a subway tunnel under the streets of Kiev to worship God, to praise Him, to sing their hosannas to Him. I think of a man who called me up one Sunday afternoon after being at worship with us that morning, and he said, I just called to let you know that my plans to check out of the faith are officially canceled. I think of thousands of ways in which God has answered that one word prayer that is the theme of our day. And I think of a church in Silver Spring, Maryland that is head over heels in love with him.
and shows it every day in your actions as well as in your words because of Jesus, because in him, in his spirit, in his word, at this new Passover table, he's still coming through for us. He is. Not with this raging power, but with humility, with peace, and with a kind of love that really does conquer all and really does connect the dots between your heartache and God's grace in your life. One Palm Sunday, a little boy named Jimmy uh, had a sore throat and he had to stay home from church with a sitter. And so when the rest of his family got home uh, with their palm branches in their hands, they were asked by him, you know, well, what's that all about? And his father said to him, well, uh, we all stood up and we all waved palm branches. and We shouted Hosanna to Jesus. Oh, great, he said. The one Sunday I missed church and Jesus actually shows up. To which I say, hey, relax. Because Jesus is still showing up. Because Jesus is still coming through. And because he has a free gift for you and me. The other thing I want you to know about Palm Sunday, uh, which I probably shared before, goes back to that one word prayer, Hosanna. Uh, which, as I said before, means save us, but there's a little bit more to the story because the word Hosanna is actually uh, a combination of two Hebrew words. One is Yasha, which uh, is the word save, and now, which is I pray. And so when you put Yasha now together, you get Hosanna, save us, we pray, save me, I pray. But what I really want to say uh, to you is that another form of the word yasha in Hebrew is the name Yeshua. And the name Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus, the one who saves. So that when we sing our hosannas, we really are calling out to praising, praying to Jesus Christ, the one who saves. And what I want to say to him today is thank you. And I'm sorry I made you do this. But I am so grateful that you so love this world, including me, that you did. You came through for us and you're still coming through for us because you are the promised Messiah. You are the humble king and you are the best friend that I will ever have. And so it is my privilege to join the crowd not just today, not just for the rest of the week, but for the rest of my whole life until I sing your praises in eternal glory and fulfill what the Pharisees themselves said that day when they looked at each other and said, you see, 
the world has gone after him. And so after all these years, Palm Sunday is still an upper. Even after peeling back all those layers. And yet I also have to confess to you that quite frankly, friends, the best is yet to come. As the shouts of Hosanna, which were replaced by the words crucify him, will give way to the happy shout of victory. And we join our voices together to proclaim that Christ is risen, God is alive, and he's still coming through with life on life for you and me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.